five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time. Unforgettable. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. Someone is really coming at me on Twitter. I'll be like, what's your address? I'll send you that eight by 10 autograph picture. You want. There you go. And people like last year, if you don't remember when uh, Pedersen got hammered in Vancouver yeah. and I'm on record, I've said this many times, if he wasn't 105 pounds, he wouldn't have been picked up in body For slammed. sure. And there was, uh, unfortunately, a guy who passed away, Jason Boschford, yeah. was very angry. And I was attacked, like, it was like a week of, and I just kept, I kept having the conversation. And then people were like, we're going to come find you. I'm like, I'm working right here. Come on That's down. Right, yeah. No problem. Like, where do you work? And I had one guy, um, I'll never forget it. He like, he called, he said something about my mother and my sister, but the, this genius, I went through his profile and I found out where he worked. And so I called the office where he worked. I said like, I forget his name, but it's Dennis, whatever, Dennis Cucumber there. And the guy's like, yeah, he's here. I'm like, he's like, who's calling? I said, it's Jason Strudwick calling from Edmonton. I want to talk to him. So I went on hold for a long time. Then I got hung up on. So I called back and then I called, kept calling and they, they didn't answer. Uh, so obviously I, wow. I found it. So I said, I'm going to call this guy out, right? One of the better storytellers that uh, is out there in radio, former NHLer Jason Strudwick is my guest this week on Sports and More, the podcast. Thanks very much for being a part of the show. My name is Dean Millard. This is episode 25. We're almost anything goes for the most part we stay away from politics and uh, pretty much always stay away from religion but uh, jason strudwick is uh, a co-host on the jason gregor show from two to six monday to friday on tsn 1260 he's also played uh, over 600 games in the national hockey league and has some amazing funny stories to talk about uh, also at podcast alley where you can check it out at podcastalley.ca Later this week, Taylor Inglis, former Edmonton Eskimo and Grey Cup champion, and now with uh, Destiny Bioscience. He's the president. He'll be joining me on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Not exactly sure what's going on with the Prospects Baseball show this week. We're waiting for, uh, hopefully, uh, some sort of announcement about the uh, season. Uh, we do not want to give you a podcast without the final correct information because there's been a lot of uh, balls up in the air and a lot of uncertainty. So uh, you can check all that out at podcastalley.ca. All right, before we get to uh, the wonderful Jason Strudwick, uh, I want to tell you about our Acme Meat Market Trivia Contest, a gift card from Acme Meat Market up for grabs. You can go say hi to Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton, 9570 76th Avenue. Check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. I had a, a T-bone or a ribeye the other day from Acme. It was delicious. And then I had a uh, lamb steak. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a leg lamb steak. It was so good. Uh, we were out in uh, in Nordeg at uh, 
at these cottages that we go to and man, the steak was delicious. So, uh, Corey's got some delicious stuff and that's Corey, the butcher. That's his Twitter handle. He's the Mark Messier of butchers because he's uh, been named to team Canada for the world butcher challenge in September, 2020. Acme Meat Market since 1921. So check them out, acmemeatmarket.ca. And you can win a gift card from Corey the Butcher if you listen for uh, our the Acme Meat Market trivia question. The hint is things that happen on Broadway. So think New York, what happens on Broadway. Listen for that. I'll be asking the question at the end of the interview. And the information is in uh, the interview. Okay, before we get to the bio, massive congrats to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Great Cup champions ending a 29-year drought, finally. How could a team with so few teams have a, have a club go 29 years without a Great Cup? I don't know, but it was awesome. So congratulations to uh, everybody in the Bombers organization and the fans, long-suffering fans in Winnipeg. You do have something to celebrate. All right. Let's get into it with Jason Strudwick. Before we do, let's get a little bit more uh, information about the man behind the mic and former NHLer Jason Strudwick. Time for the bio. Jason Strudwick was born in Edmonton and played minor hockey with the KFC Pats before joining the Kamloops Blazers at the age of 18. He won back-to-back Memorial Cups and was drafted by the New York Islanders. After two and a half years in the minors, he was traded 17 games into the 1998 NHL season for Geno Ojek to the Vancouver Canucks, where he would play with his boyhood idol, Mark Messier. He played in Chicago, where he met his wife Shona, They spent three years in New York when he played for the Rangers before he returned home to play three seasons with the Edmonton Oilers. A short stint in Sweden then led to retirement and almost immediately jumping into broadcasting. He and his wife Shona have three children. Struddy, great to see you. Great to uh, have you in uh, the studio here at Podcast Alley. How's it going? Thanks I'm for good. coming out. I'm good. Thanks for having me in here. Uh, I've seen a lot of pictures online and uh, like nice to be inside the, the cave here. Yeah. Uh, big part of it. I'll keep you posted on uh, what's going behind uh, with the uh, National Hockey League. So this is, um, we're, we're, we're recording this. It's going to air a week later. Nothing's sure. going to change in a week. Like nothing changes in the world nah. in a week, right? We're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from my perspective, I hope nothing in my life changes yeah. that dramatically in, uh, in that time of uh, short of time. But yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's fun to kind of uh, uh, just connect with you and uh, see what you're up to and see what I was doing. All right. I had, a, I had a, a lot of fun working with you. We worked together um, doing some uh, pre and post game stuff, talking mm-hmm. about a bad oiler team a lot. You did the post game yeah. show when they weren't good. I did the post game yeah. show when they weren't good. Um, now pretty boy Tom Gazzola gets the easy yeah. street as the, the Oilers are rolling. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot can change in a week as they're playing San Jose uh, tonight as we speak. But uh, in general, on a scale of one to 10, what's your surprise level like at the Oilers start? Oh, it's got to be an eight or nine. You know what? I think the, the biggest is I, I, I like to think um, in kind of broad terms. And, and the thing I keep coming back to is that I feel like the issues that we may have thought were going to be issues for the Oilers have been narrowed down to maybe just a couple small areas. You know, we can't really look at um, special teams. They're doing just fine. Um, goaltending, big surprise for me. 
um, and, and, you know, over the, the, the hall, it's been very positive. Um, you know, the, the only issue I think that, and you can kind of narrow it down a bit is the bottom six. Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing a better job of, um, creating energy in that group and getting some energy going down there. Uh, you want to see more scoring from that group, but they are getting it done on the, on the specialty teams and specifically the, the, um, the penalty kill. So, you know, if you're Ken Holland, every time the Oilers bank a point or two points, you're really pushing decisions down the line. So, you know, we might have been, you know, let's say the Oilers were off to a start where they only have like 60% of the points they have now. You and I and, and everyone else may be saying, hey, man, he's going to make a move. That's right. But right now, you know, his plan of, of quote unquote, over ripening prospects in the minors, of which many were Chiarellis. We've got to give credit, you know, as much as we give him a bad For time. that draft, yeah. Yeah, there's the there yeah. some good picks. Um, you know, he, he's, he's buying himself time. You know, and he can let a Benson or a Marodi or, you know, player XYZ prospect develop down there because guys are, 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 the group is getting it done. They're in a playoff position, which is an amazing thing for him. And he's got to be so happy, so thrilled because he's, you know, I don't see him going out and making a huge acquisition at the trade deadline. I don't think that this team is like a piece away from a long run, but he is not having to make one under the gun. And that's a big difference. Uh, you think about last year, some of the trades were made with uh, bringing in two defensemen. In the same weekend. That was... You the know. weirdest yeah. trade situation I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like either trade, you know? And yeah, um, when I didn't like the second one after the first one, yeah, especially. Yeah. So, you know, you, so, you know, I, Holland is just thrilled with what's happened here because it's buying him time. Yeah. Well, you're right. And, you know, nobody in their right mind expected uh, so far mm-hmm. the James Neal for Milan Lucic mm-hmm. to trade trade to be so lopsided. Like, I think we all thought, hey, James Neal has an opportunity to play in the top six where we all knew Milan Lucic wasn't. Nobody was expecting this much of a home run right now. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, lot of time yeah. left. But you're right. Every win buys him more time. And then you factor in that, hey, he made this trade. He made that contract go away. Mm-hmm. That guy that was not going to work out here and he's gotten this return. I mean, just on that move alone and where they are, Ken Holland is a is a massive success so far. Yeah, you know, Lucic wasn't working out here, um, and so now you have a situation where you have a guy who's who's giving you some bang for that buck, right? And and you know, what I think is at twelve or thirteen goals somewhere in there. Let's say he gets to twenty. That's good. That's like, it. You're, you're, yeah. I don't care you're if you got with house money after yeah, that. Let's say he got to, he got his twelve goals in the first uh, twenty games. Okay, you only get eight. The rest, no problem. That's twenty goals. Thank you, Brett. Because it could have been yeah. maybe one, two, or three goals. So it's he, he's bringing some bang for the buck. Um, and I what I see in James Neal, I see an opportunistic player. Um, you know, he's he gets around all right. You know, he he's he's got a lot of good hockey sense. Mm-hmm. But when he gets a chance to score. He's a shooter, and he's going to get those goals. So it's another problem that Ken Holland has kicked down the road. Because right. now James Neal, and when I say James Neal, the money, that contract is not an issue today. That's right. You know, it might be a problem at some point, but, you know, maybe it won't be. But mm-hmm. right now, he doesn't have to figure that that money out tonight. Yeah, and when that contract becomes a problem, you hope that the guys that he's not having to call up right now as mm-hmm. forwards are ready to be prominent members of this team, whether that's next year or or, right. or beyond, who knows, uh, depending on 
how James Neal is going. You mentioned the goaltending, though, though. I think, um, you know, like we knew McDavid was pretty good. We knew Dreisaitl, yeah. you know, had 50 goals and 100-plus points. Um, those are not surprises. Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a career year last year. I think the goaltending is the best pleasant surprise for this team. Even though James Neal has been red hot, you still thought at least 20 goals. Mm -hmm. The goaltending, uh, you know, at times is, you know, obviously had off days like a lot of people, but compared to what we've seen the last couple of years, this is, this is uh, you know, going back to Cam Talbot uh, goaltending when they made the playoffs. It gives you a chance when you have... Um you know, it's been better than average goaltending. Yeah. And, you know, when, you, when you're playing in front of that, you're, you're comfortable to, um, you know, maybe be a little bit more adventurous in the way you're playing offense and defense. Like, you'd be more aggressive. Stand up more on the blue line. And then that just helps those, those goalies out more. Or maybe pinch at the far blue line, right? All those things help out. So, you know, I, I was very vocal about the goaltending. I was worried about it. You know, I, I, I loved what I saw from Mike Smith in the playoffs last year. I thought he was the best flame in that series. Yeah. Although that's not the hugest endorsement because they didn't really play that well, but he was massively successful in that series. It wasn't his fault they lost. No, 100%. Yeah. And I, that was a surprise from there. So Mike Smith's coming here and he gives him a chance. He's a battler. You know, yeah. he's not the goalie he was seven years ago, but he's a battler. And then he got Miko, who um, seems calmer in the net. Um, you know, he's... he's uh, I. I, I I talked to a lot of goal coaches. They feel like he's leaning forward more, so it's stopping those kind of shots from going to the shoulder. But you know what? Um, they're, they're giving him a chance. And and Dave Tippett and um, the goalie coach, you got to give him a lot of credit because they're handling these two guys like a, a symphony orchestra. They have them dialed in, knowing what they need mm -hmm. on their game days, but also on their non-game days. I remember the day the Oilers signed Miko Koskinen to that contract. For I, Gregor was off. Mm -hmm. Because my wife and I were going to a movie. I was off yeah. that day for some reason. I, yeah. I was, think it was a Monday or something. Anyway, we jump in the car. We're driving to go to have something to eat before the movie. And you're talking about this. I thought you were punking people. Yes. That the yeah. Oilers had given that contract. Yeah. Because A, it was he was having the worst time of the season. Yes. He was struggling. And the, the contract. But, you know, this is going back to uh, just more... To bad decision making that, you know, I think they would love Miko Koskinen to live up to that contract. Yeah. And that's why they brought Mike Smith in to maybe push him that. But I don't think Miko Koskinen is a, a 65 game goalie. No, you know what? He, and he maybe there shouldn't be a 65 game goalie. Well, last year he proved he isn't. Yeah. You know, he, he ran out of juice. And, um, but I remember that day and I was interviewing Dustin Nielsen and it just on my Twitter feed, Elliot Friedman, Miko Koskinen, three years time, what was yeah, it four? Four and a half. And I, I'm like, I double checked it. I'm like Connor, you know, it's just it's just legit, and and I said it to Dusty, and both and I, we're both big talkers. We speechless. were both speechless. Yeah. I, I sh looking back, I should have gone to break and just collected our thoughts, and um, I remember thinking my first initial thought is that if this guy, when I say this guy, the GM at the time, she really was under pressure. Mm -hmm. Why would you not let the next GM make that decision? That's right. Why is it his decision? You know, IBM doesn't say, hey. Um, we're going to make a huge decision here. Uh, you can make it, but we're going to fire this guy two <laughs> yeah, days from now. Right. Like, you don't just think you might fire. So anyways. How does that deal get past Bob Nicholson? I don't, that's what I don't understand. And then, um, the, the, you know, I just don't, I just don't understand how that deal got approved. That's, no, I would love to be a fly in the wall. Right. But, you know, like Ken Holland said, I'm going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Sure. You just hope they're not as big as that. And you yeah. hope Miko Koskinen can outplay your mistake, I guess. Well, I, you know, right now, if he plays this year at this level, 
It's a good deal. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're like, yeah. you know, this we're fine with it. Yeah. Their goaltending is not costing no. them that much. So and it's yeah. So it's they're about almost six six to seven million somewhere in there together with those two guys. There might be some bonuses for Mike Smith, but anyways, they're they're in a situation where you're like, okay, guys. Um, you know, if this goaltending holds up, no one's going to complain about that money spent. That's so right. now you're down to two years on Miko. Can Miko double down and have another good year next year? You know, so you're you're always trying to see, is there value in this contract? Are we getting what somewhere in the neighborhood we're getting, uh, so we're giving him, we're getting back. Because yeah. it's it, I don't be grudge guys making a lot of money. You just want to try to get the same value out that you're putting into them. Six and a half million dollars is their goaltending. That's a good deal for, and, and especially yeah. when you're splitting it. It's, it's not... It's not Vasilevsky in price at double right. digits, which so, I don't fair. think works anymore. Well, uh, you know, like there's yeah. a, there's a few, yeah. few guys, yeah. but you're putting a lot of money into you that. Are. And if that guy goes down, yeah. you know, if, if Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen goes down, at least I think you have another guy that, you you know, so six and a half million dollars is not a lot of money it's for not. your goaltending in this days no. in, the, in the NHL. Like there's a lot of guys making more than that. Oh, there's lots of guys. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that in the back of my mind, I haven't really talked about this too much, but you know, he seems to be favoring Mike Smith quite often. And I and knowing what we know about Miko Koskinen and his fatigue that he showed last year, is he trying to keep Miko playing well but rested? Hmm. And then when we get towards the end of the year, we might see more Miko. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and you kind of ride Mike when you need him. And then so when he hit that, whatever number they think, that whatever game it is, 60 or 65, whatever it is, then you start getting Miko more when right. you get down to crunch time. And I've, I've, I've been kind of, because Miko's numbers are good. They're, they're really good. And is that something they're going to kind of work towards? And I, I, it's something I've been thinking about for a while, and I, I don't know if that'll happen, but I just feel like there's a reason that they, you know, sometimes Mike gets in there more often. Yeah. I think it's going to be 55-45. Uh, like, it could uh, be. Maybe 60-40 yeah. at the most. I don't know. The one thing you mentioned earlier is, you know, this great start, every point buys a little bit of time, especially when it, it, it doesn't force Ken Holland to rush a Jesse Pugliarvi deal, right? Like that, that if they were, yeah. if they had seven less wins right now, people would be like, oh, you got to get something for this. Yeah. This is a, a guy sitting out, not helping you yeah. and blah, blah, blah. He can be really patient with this. We know Jesse Pugliarvi said he doesn't want to come, he's not coming back uh, this year. So he doesn't have to worry about it. He mm -hmm. doesn't, ha he doesn't feel the pressure to go out and do something. And then, um, you know, maybe down the road, there's some interest and you can use him as part of a package if you want to upgrade or something, but yeah. it, it, it's not rushing him on that potential. Cause if the Oilers were bad, you guys would be talking a lot about yeah. that on talk radio. <laughs> well, you would be, I mean, I, I guess my question would be, what would be the return for yes? Is it going to help you out today right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, he's scoring pretty well in that league. At times, it looks like the goalies in the Finnish league are wearing roller skates. Yeah. So, okay. you know, I don't know that I'm so endorsing it, but um, you're right. You know, it just, he's, he's, he can be so calm. And, you know, you look at uh, some of the players in the minors, like Benson, Yamamoto, Marodi, um, Bouchard. You know, the olders are doing fine. And they're learning to be pros away from the bright lights of Rogers Place. Yeah. And, I, and that's been one of my pet peeves about... Um, well, the Oilers in the past is that they they were in such a hurry to get players up, or maybe it was just in in need, not in a hurry. And at some point, you had to put your foot down and say, "Yeah, we might struggle up here, but we're going to do right by the yeah. players." And is this the start of a tradition now? Where you know, I I don't know when Bouchard gets called up, but I hope it's not till maybe the end of the season, if at all. Yeah, but next then, year would be fine for me. No problem. He wants to play him down. He's learning to be a pro. He's getting up to speed. All those types of things. You know, even Pearson, Yoel Pearson was sent down. Um, I don't know what his plans are for next year, but 
he, there's a guy I think needs to get into NHL conditioning level. He, he, there's a smart player. You can see he's a heady player. But four years ago, this guy was a teacher. So I don't think that in between gym class, he was out there pumping iron, like the level that you might see from a cuff bomb or a nurse. So it takes time to get to that NHL conditioning. So you can be as smart a player as you want, but it doesn't mean you can keep up to pace if you get tired and don't have the big enough engine. So all these guys now are being put in positions where they are going to have um, be built for long-term success. And, you know, I, I look at my own time when I played, you know, I was in the minors for two and a half years. In that time, I played one NHL game and I sat on the bench for one. And, um, you know, I was, I was being groomed to be the type of player I would be for the next, whatever, 12 or 13 years in the NHL that included learning to fight. It included being in shape, uh, all those types of things. And, and when you come up, you're ready, you're ready to be an right. NHLer. And so I, you know, you don't want a guy to come in through a half finished product and be like, okay, uh, D Millard, you got to be our, yeah. uh, our, our sniper on the second line. Well, you know what? There's a lot of good snipers around the league. I've never that done that before. Right. Yeah. So it's a tough, so I, I'm really... I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish on this group for the next X number of years. Um, obviously, it doesn't hurt to have the top end talent you do, but with some of the drafts they've had, uh, some of the players are in the minors, and then some of the moves they made, you, you just start seeing it coming. And, yeah. and it's, it, it's a reason for an older fan to be very optimistic about the future. It's been a long time since somebody that wasn't like a top seven or mm. six pick that really you know, had an impact and, and possibly that could happen. How about that blue line? Uh, you know, you lose Adam Larson. Um, I, th I think losing Clefbaum would have been a bigger, uh, I guess, uh, hurdle to cross for this team. And they've been, they've seen that before. Uh, but you've seen Ethan Bear and you've, and you mentioned Pearson yeah. and, and Caleb Jones. And uh, I wish I, I would have liked to see Lagason uh, a, oh. a little bit. I, I really yeah. am excited. You know, oh. I watched him live at the World Juniors, and he yeah. is mean and yeah. tough. Not afraid to tattoo Sherwood mm -hmm. on the back of a guy's, uh, uh, on his back or whatever, like that cross-checking him in front of the net. So, but what do you think about this uh, this blue line right now? Uh, you know, I think you still, if you could somehow find somebody to take Chris Russell, I think they'd be really happy in that contract uh, for a couple more years. But what do you think of the blue line? Well, you asked me earlier the biggest surprises, and um, you know we touched on the goaltending. We touched on James Neal. Ethan Bear is, if not right beside those guys, shoulder to shoulder, he's like looking over yeah. their shoulder, right? Um, coming in training camp, he wasn't even on my radar. Like, and I, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I, you know, you try to be an expert. I obviously knew the goalies were going to be great. Yeah, I knew James Neal was going to score a ton, and that Ethan Bear was going to yeah, be great. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so Ethan Bear has been such a revelation, and. Um, I just talked about Pearson and how he's got to get NHL shape. Ethan Bear's well documented that he is in NHL shape yeah. now. And he, makes, he gets around the ice flawlessly. Yeah, and he doesn't his his conditioning doesn't drop off, so he gets tired. So he's able to do it over the course for 20 minutes. And um, he's been such a nice addition to this blue line and has really changed the look of that group because now you have guys that can uh, – like Nurse is a good um, puck – I guess carrier. Yeah, I would say he's an unreal puck passer. I don't think he 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 is. I think Darnell Nurse can skate the puck out really yes. well and yeah. and make that short outlet yeah. pass. I don't think Darnell Nurse is getting to the hash marks and putting it on your yeah. uh, tape at the blue right. line. Yeah, like we saw. But um, he can skate it out and jump into the play really well. He did, and so you know, you look at like Clef or a Clef Bomb is is a good passer. He's, mm -hmm. Clef Bomb's just kind of like steady Eddie back there. I, I I love the way he's playing right now. Um, you've got uh, Darnell that carries the puck well. Larson is a masher. Um, Russell is, you know, you talk about his contract. I don't know that moving him before the end of the season makes a lot of 
um, depth sense. You know, you're trying to keep this team for a playoff run. You know that D-men go off the board uh, quick in the playoffs. Yeah. So you may want to keep them around, look at that in the summer. Um, but having Ethan Bear there, uh, oh, I should say Matt Benning has been very solid. I don't know yeah. why that guy gets criticized as much as he does. Well, he's probably not. He did a lot last year. He right? did, yeah. But and maybe he, it's lessened. So it, it, he's just a solid player. He's a smart, and he plays best when there's structure. When it's really nearly all over the ice, that's where he 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 doesn't. Um, most players, I don't. I didn't like that. I want to know where everyone is going to be. Well, it's confusing. Yeah, and yeah. just be 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 um, structured. So. Ethan Bear, though, brings a different dynamic with very small, smart, short passes and uh, quick reads. Um, and now you bring in Caleb Jones, and I'm with you, Willie Legison. I I want to see this guy play. And, you know, someone asked me the other day, um, is he, Ethan, is uh, Caleb Jones better than Willie Legison? I said, I don't know. I, I went to training camp to watch him play, uh, but training camp's a long ways away from taking yeah. on um, Austin Matthews at a one-on-one, sure. right, midseason. So... Uh, my my hope is that Bear, Caleb Jones, and Ethan Bear and uh, Legison are all NHL defensemen. Then you have to make some decisions. And then you have Bouchard too. Well, Bouchard, yeah, but Bouchard, he's not. He's still waiver eligible next year. Oh, so that's these okay. three guys. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, is there room for three? No chance. Two, maybe one for sure. So well, that one might be Bouchard already. Well, but well, but Bouchard, will, you know, he can. They can still put in the minors. If everyone yeah. plays well, they can put in the minors next year. But Bouchard likes in a bear. They've got to make decisions now. So, you know, to go back to our conversation with Ken Holland pushing these decisions down the road. If if I'm him, I'm scouring um, fringe forwards, young forwards, the same age, 22 years old. Yeah. In every organization, I'm gonna say to you, listen, um, I've got Caleb Jones here. Do you, do you want to trade me player X out of another and try to upgrade your your um, third or fourth line by bringing in a guy that maybe brings something you don't have now and it could possibly be a top six in the future? Yeah, they they have to make room, and I, I guess it's uh, if you, you you hope you're in a position to keep Chris Russell because then, like you said, yeah. defenseman and and he would be a very important defenseman for this team in the playoffs. Oh, come on! If something drastic happens and they fall off, that's when you know another team might say, yeah. hey. He's only got one more year, and then it frees up your four million dollars yeah. for next year. So you're right. If they're if they're anywhere in a hunt, he's a guy that you you need, you're going to depend on, and uh, hopefully hopefully they are in that situation. But um, you know that that hot start, building up that uh, that currency and that uh, I guess padding. Yeah, I guess. Um, are you are you worried about this team? I guess I guess they do have some playoff experience. Like there's there, yeah. there's some good the, the the key players were in the playoffs. So yeah, you you probably shouldn't worry about this team. You know, getting too scared of heights of where they are. I don't think so. And you look at the the leaders, with yeah. Dry Settle and Connor. I mean, those guys are going to push this team. Um, but you know, like this is going to sound bad, but I didn't have them as a playoff team this Me year. Me neither. And so just making the playoffs, let's say they get spit out in five games, that that is the start of what I hope is a long run for this organization mm -hmm. as a playoff team. And when, when Ken Holland was hired, I said, we'll see what he is really all about come uh, next July, like by the middle of next July, when he's now gone through a whole season. He's like made this upcoming July? This upcoming yeah, yeah, July. Yeah. That's all like a year. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. call it a, whatever he got out. Let's sure, call it yeah, a year. Yeah. Like, so he's gone through a couple different times. Um, he's maybe pushed out some players that 
are either, you know, extra players or, or not desirable or whatever that, you know, whatever the case may be, maybe there's a pulley RV resolution by then. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of those young demon we've talked about is in trade for a player that is now helping on the top third. Maybe Tyler Benson comes up. So all of a sudden this lineup is starting to get filled eternally, either through guys coming up and or trades from places we have extra, like the D for someone else. Right. And now so you're looking and thinking, man, this this group is actually looking pretty good. Bouchard's coming up. Now we've got some room for Bouchard. Let's bring that guy up. Like, it's going to be piece by piece. And I don't think Ken Holland, I, I, I don't think he's going to say, no, I'm an impatient guy. He's just like, he's going to do things methodically. So this is built for the long term. So, you know, playoff experience, yeah. You want to get in the playoffs and it feels good and it's exciting. And I want to see it around here. We love it in yeah. Edmonton. But it is about... You know, I'm looking forward to what it looks like after this year. Mm-hmm. Like what, what happens in the next five years? Because if they do it right um, and people continue to come up and they're drafting well, this just feeds itself. And that's what good teams do. Yeah, you just build around the sensation. And, you know, we haven't talked a lot about yeah. McDavid and Dreisaitl because, you know, they've, they're, they've been proven stars. But really, especially Leon Dreisaitl. By the way, Marcus Granlin scoring. It's a uh, one oh, nice. nothing. Oh, so first goal of the year. Bottom six goal, Beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, but just the the level at that which Drysidle is, you know, during that playoff round, he was do- he was pretty dominant in yeah. the playoffs when they made it. Um, he's taken it to a, a next level. Do you see a massive difference in his game? Is it the confidence? I, you know, yeah. he's, he's I, I find him, you know, you can barge to the center of the ice with a puck and lug guys there and set somebody up and then a feather pass to Cassian mm. on a goal. Like he just, he just seems to be really, really uh, evolving, mm. almost uh, overshadowing a Connor McDavid, which you didn't think could ever happen. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's well said. Um, as a, def- from the, the point of view of defender, the problem is that you never know how he's going to try to beat you. Right. And, um, you know, you're right. He, he can be a bull in a china shop and drive you back into the blue paint and, and just shove you right into the goalie's nose. Um, or he can make a beautiful a button hook play or a, a backhand yeah. sauce, like all these different ways you kind of talked about. Or, so, or one-timer and yeah. score. <laughs> so I'll, he'll beat you in different ways. And, you know, and I, I, you know, I remember playing against Eric Lindros and, um, you know, I, I, I love playing against him because he wanted to be, he wanted a physicality and I love physicality. Was he the strongest player that you probably played um, against? Like one of the most that. scary, the one most scary because they yeah. didn't know if he was going to score on you or bury you. Yeah. And, uh, when I played for the Canucks, um, you know, I was like a third parent defenseman, but we play Philly. I would go up to the first line with Ed Jovanovsky and they'd be like, you're on Lindros tonight. Just, and I, I would turn into like a mosh pit. Like I was like all over this guy and. I loved it. And I think he actually, he enjoyed it too. Like we were battling like, and then Leclerc would be in there and Renberg and all these guys. And like, it was very, very physical, but at the same time, he'd fake me out. He's going to hit me. Then yeah. just go around me or make a play. Yeah. And that's and, dry side of right now. Yeah. And he's so, it's so deceptive. And so, you know, Connor, you know, he's going to blow through you. Mm-hmm. So and don't do not anyone take it. them suggesting it's easy to guard Connor because it's not, but you know how he wants to beat you. Um, and he does it because he's so fast. Yeah. But Leon can beat you in 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 different ways than Connor. And that's why I've always said when the Oilers are a Stanley Cup team, they're on different lines and they're carrying their own lines. Um and and it becomes a real matchup problem. Because you know, you're like, okay, do I put my first group mm-hmm. against when you Connor have more or, depth to build yeah, around them, you can uh, do that. Yeah, and it's that's they're not quite there. They're, no. they, 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 there's quite frankly, the top six is even close to breaking those two guys no, up. But the, at the, some point you will have your version of Crosby Malkin on you, different lines. You, you, and you, you have to, and um, you can always put them back together, but two strong lines like that, a third line that can get things going, the fourth line that, you know, brings energy. 
Um, and it, it's it's possible, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna take time. And it's gonna you know guys are gonna want to come play if in free agency if yeah. you're looking at a, yeah. a winger that can shoot, and you can yeah. say to them, listen, when we get our depth, you're gonna yeah. either play with McDavid or Drysdale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sign me up. Yeah, and I you know I think that what we're seeing here with the Oilers this year um, is there's there's less holes to fill. So. You know, when when you're now looking at free agency, you're not thinking we need a third line center, this right, and yeah, that, yeah, like yeah. all this stuff. Like, you might not need a D man in free agency. You might even be unloading one in Chris Russell. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you're not you're not trying to go to market and get four or five free agents in the first in July first, or even trades. Just one maybe one, yeah. or you maybe make a trade. Like it's yeah. so it's very specific, and and you know the owners aren't quite there yet, but that's why I use that July fifteenth of yeah. this upcoming twenty twenty. Let's let's see that team in 2020, and we might be talking about one or two holes. Yeah. Now one might be a massive scoring winger, so that's a pretty hard one to fill. But at least you're getting to the point where we can now narrow it down. Yeah. And you can see the guys on the horizon that yeah. can fill the yeah. spots around that. For the right. first time, it looks like, and, and it helps that they're off to such a great start. But it looks like there is, um, you know, potential stability hmm. and guys that can uh, can plug holes now not uh, ever going to be the team that you grew up watching. You're yeah. uh, born and raised in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. We're in the this 1975 same year. So I was cheering for these guys from yeah. afar in Brandon, Manitoba. Yeah. You were here living it. Uh, was 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 it like hockey all the time for you growing up here in uh, in Edmonton and uh, watching the Oilers and things yeah. like that? You know what? I would say my, my family's a fairly naive hockey family. Um, you know, I... I you know, as a youngster, I of course I want I love the Oilers. Yeah. Mark Messier was my guy. Um, I never sat around thinking, oh, one day I'm gonna play with these guys. Uh, like it never even like entered my mind. It would be like you and I talking, they were gonna just go into your driveway and just build a rocket ship and go <laughs> yeah. to the moon. Like it's such an I, it's such a weird thing. And and my mom and dad, like, you know, we never ever talked about that. I talked about wanting to be uh, an accountant or a comedian. You know, that's so there were okay. two things I wanted to have. And um you know, it's, it is, uh, so yeah, so I, I loved watching them and we, we didn't go to a lot of games. We'd get tickets given to us every now and then and we go, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was really special. We go into the games with my dad at Rexall or, you know, it was just amazing. And, um, but yeah, you know, I loved, I loved, I just, you know, I loved, I just loved the competition. And I think that's something that, um, you know, watching those guys and how hard they battled and competed and you, you, you can talk about the greatness of, you know, Moog or Fuhrer or Coffee or Gretzky, but they competed. Yeah. And that's what I took out of that group, um, more so than the skill. I wish I would have taken a little bit of skill out of it, but <laughs> yeah. I, I took a lot of the competing out. Yeah. So you and your, obviously your uh, family includes the the Niedermeyer, mm-hmm. uh, that's your cousin. So, you know, did you play like AAA hockey yeah. uh, growing up your whole life? And, uh, you know, when did, when was it like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, I'm going to, be a hockey player. Um, well, I know in that moment was when I got drafted. Uh, that was probably the first time I drafted got by the in the NHL. That was like probably the first time I'm like but you were playing on dominant teams yeah, by well, before then. Yeah. Well, so I, I grew up in Edmonton playing for the KCs, which okay. are at that time not the strongest, and we got um, we took our fair share of ass kickings. But you got uh, it was still the high a high level. High yeah, level, I was yeah. always a top level, but yeah. I mean it was I wasn't traveling teams. Okay. I remember my dad took me to try for a traveling team when I was in Pee Wee. <laughs> And I didn't even, I didn't understand what it was. My dad's like, yeah, this team, they travel. I'm like, why do they travel? We can't play here. And this was a summer team, yeah. right? And I go over this tryout and I actually, you know, I thought it did okay. And after the practice, the coach walks in, you didn't make it. I'm like, 
all right, I just picked my bag up and I walked out. I didn't like, care, right? I, I did. I was like, I was just so clueless, yeah. you know. I just wanted to hang out. Um, and uh, so I, I remember when my cousins Rob and Scott, we, we 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 our families were quite close, still are. And um, they came to our house one year, and these two guys were in great shape. I was like, oh my god, like look at these. My arms look like spaghetti. And they were just jacked. And that is probably where my hockey career started because I said, how do you guys get like this? And they they would go Pick run up a weight. Yeah, they yeah. they'd go run and stuff. I'm like, what is going? Like I never. This was so train. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I started doing it with them uh, that week. They were here, and I was dying. I'm like, this is embarrassing. My cousins are just. And after that, I became a bit of a fitness freak. Like, I'd always, um, you know, I did. And the problems I had no formal training. My cousin, he, I remember Scotty said, like, what do you do? He's like, we run run a hundred meters. I'm like, how far is that? He's like, that's a soccer field. And he didn't tell me how many. So after they left, I would just like run it and then rest and run it. And like, I would do it for like an hour and I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. And like, I wouldn't warm up. I'd do push-ups. I'd try to do, like, I was just, I had no idea, but I saw big improvements from that. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not even kidding. Um, then I, you know, I went off to Kamloops and we won the championship, but even there, like, you know, I, I think I was ranked in the fifth or sixth round and I ended up getting drafted in the third round. And, um, you know, I just... Uh, I was like, okay, great. I got drafted. And I was like, okay, you know, I better try this. Cause that year, I, about 10 days before the draft, I just started a job as a carpet cleaner and I had a truck and I would go around and clean people's carpets. I'll like, do yours if you need them done here. Pre-set up. You weren't like cold knocking on doors no, no, saying, would was, you like yeah, your carpet cleaner? Pre, yeah. And I come in and I try to sell them, get them to send a uh, Scotch guard. So like I to like for your house here, it might be like a hundred bucks to be in a Scotch guard. It'd be like another 50. Sounds not, like a plot to a porno actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not going to do that with you here tonight, <laughs> but we, we got in there and uh, I would get commission on the Scotch guard. Okay. So I'd get like, I think I got like 20% of the Scotch guard. So that was big bucks. Like, yeah. so I would always say, Hey, do you want Scotch guard? This will make it like you can support. You're wine. upselling hard. I had no idea. And then I got drafted. I remember the day after I got drafted, I went in there, did one more day. And I walked to my boss. I'm like, I quit. And he's like, why? I'm like, I just got drafted. And Charlie's like, all right, that makes sense. And that was it. I was gone. Dominion carpet cleaning is who I worked for. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to so, Dominion yeah, to good for old giving people. you the. Yeah. Like, was it a, um, like a ceremoniously, I'm going to be an NHL star or were you quite no, uh, calm about it? Like, I, I was pretty calm. I just said like, this isn't for me. Yeah. And, uh, I think I made like 600 bucks or something. Well, that's in not 10 bad days. actually. No, it was like, but I worked hard. Like I was working eight or nine hour days and I knew I had to get into the gym. So, um, the Islanders actually set up, um, after I got drafted by the Islanders, they set up right away a training platform with at U of A with Pete Friesen. Oh, good, good. Pete Friesen's there. Yeah. And I was working out already, but this guy really gave me some direction. Again, another very lucky thing. Like I went to Camels, very lucky to go there with a bunch yeah. of, a very pro mentality team. Uh, Pete Friesen, who was the longtime trainer of the Carolina Hurricanes, very pro-like approach to training. And um, we had guys like Zidane O'Shara work out with us, um, Jason Holland. We had Nolan Baumgart, really yeah. good group of working out. And, um, you know, very lucky that, you know, it's not, you think it's always just you, but it was me doing the work, but I had a lot of guidance, uh, to show me how hard I had to work and how to right. train. So I had, uh, Chris Dingman in here uh, a little while ago. I had walking gauge. Oh in yeah. Here. Yeah. Walking gauge. Basically he called you guys cocky. That's the, yeah. so he said he hated playing. Yeah. He said, Scott Niedermeyer, when he came back from the NHL, did he come, he came back halfway through or something. Yeah. He said he like skated around everybody and basically yeah. stood there like a statue for like like you were you guys the cockiest uh team like um, like you were a dynamic team like those weekend teams yeah. that you guys beat and yeah they were good teams they were and those but are, you guys were off yeah. the charts good like well, what was that like probably gonna have 
you know, two Hall of Famers and Don and yeah. Um, You know, we we were we Don A was our coach and Bob Brown was our GM and there was a real mindset of team first and we just worked we worked so hard in practice. Um, we we would practice at a tempo that was unbelievable, just battling, going at it. And we know now we have uh, Ryan Huska, assistant coach in right. Calgary, was our forward. Nolan Barber, our assistant coach in Vancouver. We've had other players coach. Um, Darcy Tucker, a uh, guy who you know had an amazing drive, and we had so much passion. We, we went, we practiced so hard. Honestly, sometimes the games were easier than the practices, um, and um, we were so lucky to have that. So we played Brandon, very good team. And I, we were just, I think we were just more focused, you know, and, and probably wouldn't tell that to Dinger. He's a pretty big guy, yeah, he is, um, yeah. but I think we were just more, more dialed in and tuned to what we had to do. And we just, we wouldn't be denied. You know, yeah. I, I remember um, the one in the Western Auckland final against Saskatoon and went to game seven and uh, we were up, like we got up eight, one. And um, I, I gave a bad pass, an errant pass and, and it, it kind of fanned on it, went to their blue line. Or sorry, to our our blue line, our own zone. Their D man got it, and it's eight one. And I'm like, I can't let this guy show. I dove to block a shot. <laughs> we we're winning eight one, and I remember getting up thinking, this is unreal. Why did I do that? But yeah. you you just you, you're so yeah. you don't want to let the team down, and more importantly, you don't want to let the guy beside you down. Then the next year he came back. We were cocky, like we were so good, and and we won uh, in Kamloops. We we mm-hmm. we could have put a, a beer can in the net. We would have won. We were so good. Um, but we were just, it was, and then all those guys went off to have such great pro careers, whether yeah. it was in the NHL, American League, Europe. We had guys who dominated Japan. All these great things happened, and uh, it was amazing. We had an amazing group of players. And yeah, that, that, those teams, you know, like I, I grew up on, you know, the, uh, whenever the Oilers would come to Winnipeg, I would try to go. I didn't see Andy Moog play my favorite sure. goalie until Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did not like Grant Fuhrer as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I, right. Because every time I go, he played. Right. Same with Reggie Lemlin when he was sure. like, I hated those guys. And Grant Fear is one of the nicest guys yeah. that, you, that you're going to meet. Uh, but I grew up on junior hockey. And mm. uh, I just, I, you know, I just love, even though guys may not go on to great careers, there are some awesome junior hockey players that I've been able to to yeah. watch. Is there a guy that never really made it in the NHL that, that you played with that you're like, man, oh. this guy was so dumb. Like there's a lot of guys that made it oh, in the NHL, but you know, like is, who's the best player that you played with uh, or even against yeah, that you're kind of surprised. Like I remember, you know, covering the Rebels 01 Memorial Cup run and, and um, Simone Gamache was like yeah. this uh, Quebec Gamache. star, right? Yeah. Like, but never went in, you know, it's just... Junior hockey's a different animal. Uh, some guys, the, they're the most skilled players of all time, and they can't click. Yeah, you know, a guy that jumps off the top of my head, I think we played him in the Memorial Cup, was Sebastian Bartolo. Oh, yeah, We yeah. played a little bit in the NHL. It, what happens is, and, and you know, I, I know Sebi quite well. Um, the, the thing is that, you know, when you're a skilled player, are you good enough to bump someone out of the top six? And if you're not, you're probably not a bottom six player. That's right. And, and for Oilers fans to give you some connection... Ty Ratty, to me, is that guy. Ty Ratty wasn't enough of a top six player to be a top six player. He doesn't fit into a bottom six. He doesn't really work that, and you can't trust him. So he's a really good hockey player, and he's probably an NHL player, but he's not... He, he's a tweener and, and and I say a tweener, he needs to be like on the two and a half line. Right. You know, yeah, because, yeah. and it's hard and, and, you know, guys get flushed out um, for those reasons and the details, you know, can you, like Riley Shan, not the sexiest player I've ever seen, yeah. but, you know, pretty good at face-offs. He's efficient at what he does. He, he's he, So coaches can trust. When, when, I, when a coach looks down the bench, he thinks, okay, 
Riley Shan's going to give me this. And he, he gets it almost every single night. Does yep. he make mistakes? Yes. But everyone makes mistakes. So you just kind of move it along. And for those players that just, you're like, man, that guy was good. Why didn't he make it? Because he couldn't find a, a niche in the NHL and say, this is who I am mm -hmm. and this is what I do. And coach is like, oh, I see you like that. It doesn't mean you can't move up, but you got to get in there, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, coaches have their, they need their guy. Like, uh, listen, um, one of the, the, the lockout where the World Juniors was in North Dakota, I think it was 05. That was a stacked yeah. NHL team, yeah. uh, World Juniors. Yeah. Brent Sutter took Colin Fraser on that team. Yeah. And there were other guys saying he's not the best player, but Colin mm. Fraser played for Brent in Red Deer. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was getting mm. when he threw. Mike Keenan puts Dale Howarchuk out in yeah. 87 in the Canada Cup because he knows he's, he's familiar with Dale Howarchuk. Yeah. Coaches have their guys. Like yeah. they have their guys that, you know, boom, you yeah. can rely on. They also have their guys they don't like. And GMs are the same thing. You get drafted yeah. by the New York Islanders. Yeah. Played one game, right? Uh, well, I ended up playing one and then I got called up. So I played one my first year. Yeah. Then the next year I didn't play any. Yeah. And then, um, then, the, then oh, I got then called up. Called, called up the next year. Yeah. You get traded for Gina Wojcik. Yeah. How happy were you to get out of Mike Milburyville? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I skipped out of there. You know, and, and <laughs> I, I was so happy. Um, that organization was such a gong show. And you know what? I, it, I was very honored to be in the NHL. Don't get me wrong. Of course. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it was such a, a gong show there all the time. And um, yeah, so he, he called me. We're in Vancouver and he calls me like, Mike Merbury says, uh, we just traded you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Okay, no, thank you, Mike. And then uh, I, 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 Mike Keenan calls me. He's like, hey, we just traded for you. Meet me downstairs or meet someone downstairs in the hotel. So I went downstairs. They took me over for a press conference, um, like a quick one. And then within an hour, I was pretty much in a new hotel just down the street. And I played my old team the next day. Yeah. And you know what, it was, you know, it's easy to get traded. I was young. I, I had like three suits. I didn't have any kids or dogs yeah. or anything. So it was just like, whatever. Light. I was, yeah, I moved over and uh, Vancouver is the best thing that happened to me. You know, I was closer to home. Not that that was a big thing, but um, I had a lot of family in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, eventually Mark Crawford to become our coach. And, you know, he was really hard on me, like really hard. Uh, at the time I didn't like it, but looking back and I've told him this, it was the best thing to have because he understood how I have to play, mm -hmm. uh, to be an effective NHLer. And he was right. And, um, you know, I, it worked out really well. Mike, Mil didn't Mike Milbury not tell you like you are basically never going to make it like yeah. his, 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 uh, pump up skills are not very good. <laughs> no. So, uh, my third training camp there, I felt I, I was ready to make an NHL step and I'd had a really good year the year before in the minors, like as far as developing, so I come to training camp and I'm thinking things are going to happen. And, you know, within a couple of days, it's clear it's not. And so what the assistant GM comes down and said, you know, can you play in a rookie game? And rookie games are for rookies. You know, I was a 22-year-old player. That's right. And at that time, they looked a little bit like a WWF Royal Rumble. So I was with the Islanders and I, I, I'm like, yeah, I'll do anything. I just need a chance. So I walk into the dress room where we're, our team is. And I look around and we have a bunch of hobbits, like just the tiniest little lineup. And I'm like, oh God, please no. And I look on the Rangers lineup and they had like fight fighters galore. And I'm like, oh, I, I remember Sylvain Blue was there. We had, it was so tough, so tough. So I'm like, all right, you want me to do this? Let's do this. So in the first period and a half, I fought three times and I kicked myself out. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. And by this time I learned how to fight because I didn't know how to fight at 20, but by 22, I was pretty competent. So my hands are jacked up and I'm sitting there with my hands, uh, my hands uh, wrapped up in ice. And the same GM, assistant GM comes, Mike wants to see you. I'm like, great. You know, this is good news. I, I was so naive, right? What an idiot. I walk into his office and I barely 
cheeks barely touch the seat. He's like, you're going down the minors and you're probably never going to come back here. Uh, we, we, we'll, we'll try to trade you, but nobody wants you. You can ask for a trade. Uh, you can, your agent can do anything you want, but my advice, go have a good time down there. Cause next year you're going to university. Thanks a lot. Here's your ticket to Kentucky. And I was out. So needless to say, I walked out, I was pretty hot. I called and left my agent, Donnie Meehan, a very mad message, not at him, but just in general. Yeah. Um, and called my parents and my parents, like they were amazing. They are amazing people. And so, um, like they just, they, they, I don't remember them really saying anything than just like, we support you and, yeah. and things. And, uh, so I, I got on that plane the next day. I had a really good night that night. I should say in New York, I yeah. got pretty buckled. Um, and I remember on the flight down there, I'm like, you know what? I, I have to, I have a decision to make here. Like, I think I'm close. And guys like Doug Huda and guys I respected were like, you're so close yeah. to me, Scotty the Chance. And like, I felt I was close. And it wasn't like, you know, oh, I'm close to dating like Cindy Crawford. I was like right. actually close to being an NHL player. So on the flight down there, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work. I'm going to give it everything I got this year and see what happens. So I go down the minors and, um, as luck would have it, they hired a new coach, uh, assistant coach named Vasily Tikhanov, Victor Tikhanov's son. Wow. And uh, Vasily was, and he's since passed away, um, unfortunately. Car accident, I think it was. But we, you know, I got down there, and after about a week of practice, he pulls me aside, and he's like, Strutty, you are so close to the NHL. But you, like, you've learned how to fight. You're a good defender, but we just got to add some skill. He goes, if you will do this with me. I'll meet you out on the ice. We'll do 15 minutes every day together, every day, game practice. I don't care. You're tired. Your hands are sore. I don't care, please. And I'm like, Vasily, if you'll do this with me, I'll do it. So every day I went on the ice with him and we did it fit. Now it doesn't sound like a lot, but you yeah. add up 15 minutes over seven days. Plus the rest of the stuff that you're doing on yeah, top yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah. And so we were and drills. I'd never seen, I'd never been exposed to these type of skill drills. Right. And, um, all of a sudden, like things are working. I'm like making passes. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And um, I remember just before Christmas, the uh, the, uh, the other assistant coach, who we were good friends from the year before, he comes up. He's like, Strutty, you know what? You're so close to making NHL, but now you're you're dominating in your way in your game. But now you have to help the other guys dominate. So help your teammates out. And I was like, I felt so good. I'm like, yes. So then I got called up to the NHL, and um, just before, just right after Christmas. And uh, feeling so good about myself, like now I could, I felt I was a better skater. I was man strong. Yeah. Um, I could fight. I was sk more skilled. Like all these things, they were just going the right direction. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and fight anyone I need to, but I can still make these plays. And so I, I came up to Anders and I started playing and I fought my first night. Like I was just on a roll. And after a couple months, you know, to Mike Milbray's credit, he pulls me aside and I'll never forget in Tampa Bay. We're sitting, he's like, I want to, someone's like, the GM wants to talk to you on the bench. It was a game dead. I wasn't playing, right? I was in now the lineup. That's how it yeah. goes. And I sit down beside him. He's like, Strutty, I made a huge mistake. You know, you're, you're I'm wow. so proud of you. You've worked so hard. Um, you know, the guy's telling me you're a leader down there. I could see you one day being an assistant captain here at the Islanders. You know, thank you for proving, I'm glad you proved me wrong. Hmm. You know, we want to sign you a contract extension. So I called my agent and he'd already had this talk with Mike Milbury, all these positive things. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, he's such an honest guy that about two weeks later, he trained me Vancouver just out of the blue. <laughs> like, you asshole. Yeah. But, you know, he did me a favor. And, um, you know, but you learned that, you know, that was my first kind of learn that you have to have really thick skin and you just do what you have to do. And, you know, whatever happens around you, just keep on, like, training and practicing and doing the right things because sooner or later it's going to turn, you know, and it's going to turn to a good thing. So you end up in... 
Vancouver. Yeah. And you're playing with your idol. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mike Keenan is the coach. You know, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but that was, uh, that was massive that Mark Messier was going yeah. to Vancouver. Why did it go as poorly as it did, do you think? What was it like? Well, my, to me, Mark Messier, other than my dad, and uh, he had, as far as a male influence, the biggest single influence on my life. You know, and um, actually when I was done my career, I wrote a letter to Mark, to Mess, hmm. and just to thank him. And, um, you know, Mark Messe, he's, um, he's such a leader. And I always felt that our team was better just because he was on the bench. Now, he wasn't the Mark Messier banging in 50 goals a year. But because he was there and he was such a calm presence, and the whole bench was calmer when he was on the bench. And I've, I've, I'd watch him, you know, like I, I was like a creeper. I'd always like, how does he talk to the coach? How does he talk to the refs? How does he talk to my teammates? How does he talk to everyone? I was always, what, what does he right. do? How does he walk? How does he dress? Like, Mess started wearing these fancy socks. So I still wear the fancy socks. I don't know if he does or not. He got a pair of fake glasses. So I got a pair of fake glasses. I was like, this is amazing. And the funny thing is they hurt my eyes. And but I you still, still wear them. them. And I was like, these things are so awesome, but I'm going blind. So like, I learned so much from him. So I was a very young, kind of naive um, guy at that time. So I was more worried about me and mess. I wasn't really watching his impact on the whole team. But from my perspective, there was a transition going on from that 94 team that went sure. to the finals with Vancouver to a new group. And I was kind of the, the how can I say it? I was like kind of like the beginning of the end of that 94 team. And then the end of the beginning of the sure, that yeah, new yeah, group. Yeah. Because... When I came, like Bertuzzi was there, Morrison came, um, Jovanovski, like all these guys. Yeah, because Burray was still there your f first year? Not, so I, I finished here there. We played like 10, 11 games yeah. together, and I don't think he liked me because I got traded for his buddy. Oh, for he, Gino. He, he, I don't think we said more than three words. Hello, oh. I'm Pavel Burray. Jason Strato, yet, yeah. And I was just like gone. <laughs> um, but like it was, an, it was a really neat thing to have that there. And uh, like I, I love Mess. But then when Mess left, we had guys like, you know, Marcus Naslin, even myself, Donald Brashear, we started being more leaders because mm -hmm. Mess dominates a room for obvious reasons in a very positive sure. way. Sure. Mark Crawford gets there. You said he really helped your career. Did you Did you ever, though, think, but you didn't put Gretzky in the shootout. Why would I listen to you? Like, like yeah. I, 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 I don't know what it's like for, for yeah. the respect yeah. that this guy must have lost after that moment. I don't care. I don't know how you would ever defend it. I don't know. Yeah. He lost respect in the public. Do you think he lost respect from NHL players? I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, you make choices, right? And, Come on, man. I, I, I honestly, I oh, never Choices are, do I have chocolate or vanilla? Choices aren't, I'm going to leave the greatest hockey yeah. player of all time off yeah. of the shootout list. Well, you know what? I just, I, I never even, it never even entered my mind. You know, like, to me, See, if he told me to do a drill and I didn't like it, I'd be like, why didn't you put Gretzky? Oh, yeah, I'd be in the minors yeah. and be out of the, yeah, but that's, that's right. the child, child yeah. in me. But I just. Yeah, for me, you know what? It didn't affect my life at all. Um. You know, you're just trying to, you're, you know, you're just trying to get yourself organized. The team you're on, you know, you're not worried about Wayne Gretzky in or out of the lineup yeah, because it, it has yeah, nothing yeah. to do with me. If I was on that team, I might have felt differently. Uh, but when it's just that group, you're just kind of like, this is what I need to do. And, but everybody's uh, had a coach you didn't like or didn't maybe respond, or maybe you don't. Yeah, you know what I, I would say. Not that, not that I'm saying him. I'm just no, saying no. there are coaches that people haven't liked. Oh, hundred percent. Like I know. think the biggest thing is like I, I, I had really nice people for coaches. Um, I didn't always agree. Like Brian Sutter, his solution to most things was to work harder. Yeah. And that isn't the solution to every problem. Uh, although, you work smarter sometimes instead yeah, of harder. Yeah, well, we got both. Work yeah. smarter, work harder. Like it was like, okay, our, our penalty kill is getting destroyed. We guys got to work harder. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, let's go and talk about this. So, um, so I didn't always agree with things that the coaches did, but I try to have a real healthy respect for the coaches. Okay. Um, you know, they were doing what they thought was best, even though I didn't agree with it. Um, I loved playing for Tom Rennie. Loved it. Um, you know, you know, you talked about his guys. I would say I was probably a guy of his, but maybe not so much for the on ice as for uh -huh. the off ice. Um, you know, he, when I arrived in New York and he was there at the same time, and then even in Edmonton, he knew exactly how to use me best for my skill sets. And, um, you know, it was, it was so nice to have a coach that just totally understood me. Now, did, was I always happy with how much I played or my ice time? No, mm -hmm. but looking back, like he knew exactly what position to put me in to make sure that I, I had success. You had a, uh, a glimpse at Ralph Kruger, right? Yeah, Ralph was our assistant coach. And yeah. I loved Ralph. Like, in the things he's doing, I, I, as soon as he got hired, I'm like, uh, this is, he's a, is he know. not a master motivator? He, you know what he is? He's a, like, you know what? I hear the word thrown around communicator. Okay. And, it, he, and a lot of the people say they are, these people are communicators. They're not. Yelling or demeaning Th people is not communicating. That's right. Yeah. That's yelling and demeaning. Having a conversation. Demeaning. Right. And um, who was it? Uh, I don't know who it is. Said the, today's player. They're just not going to do what they tell you. They want to know why yeah. you're kind of doing it. And and I think from guys that I've talked to, Ralph was good at explaining a lot of he the was. stuff he wanted to do. He was, and you know, and I, I I'll never forget a conversation he and I had. Um, you know, it was we were just mid season, and it was just he and I. And he's like, you know, how are you liking things? Have you thought about what you're going to do when you're done? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I I don't know. I'll, I'll kind of figure something out or whatever. And he, I said, how about you? He's like, well, Strutty, you know that when this team starts getting good, I'm not going to be here anymore. And I was like. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's wow. too bad for you. But that's a very self-aware person, yeah. right? He's like, it doesn't always happen. Usually, it's like a, the next coach comes in and, and gets that's from right. over the top. And um, but the way he talked to the players and the communication, I actually I saw him in the draft in in Buffalo or in Vancouver, and we had a great conversation for about twenty minutes, just about you know how he's doing, how his experiences were. Mm -hmm. He asked me how I was, and not just like, hey man, how are you doing? It's like, hey, how are you? Like, what's going on with you? I know you like to do this and. And I love that. Like, I, I wish I would have had more time with him, N not as a player, but as a person to grow from being around him. Right. We've talked about trash talking before um, and, you know, what may or may not be over the line. The best piece of trash talking I've ever heard, because you don't catch it very often, no. is the Stevens Trache Bellows, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, I don't know how they caught that yeah. audio, but yeah. it is, and it's some of the best. Who's the best trash talker you ever played with or against? And did you ever get chirped and just like, yeah, that's so funny. Like, I can't like, like you're in the moment of the game. Like, yeah. What is trash talking like? You what, know, what is it really like? It's hurtful. Is that's, it? Yeah, well, it can be. Yeah. And you can't show it though. That's the thing. Like, okay. Because people say things to you all the time. Remember Patrick Sharp? I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because he was so good looking. I just hated that guy. <laughs> and I go out of my way to slash him or whatever, right? And he's like, you suck as a hockey player. I'm like, well, fuck. Like, yeah, what are you going to say? Like, like, you know what? I'm not that. I'm not great. That's for sure. Especially at this point. And like, um, so you try to be, um, I've never wanted to show that a, a chirp got to me. Okay. Sean Avery was constantly chirping people. Constantly. But the one guy I loved the most was uh, Sheldon Surrey. He was so funny. Like, really? Oh, he was. Well, I remember we were here, and I, I, I'd known Shelly for a long time. We played against each other a bit growing up and then worked out a bit. And um, it was when the rumors are swirling that Vinny Cavalier might be traded to Edmonton. And we were playing in Rexall, and there's a face-off right in front of our bench in the neutral zone. And we're sitting on the bench, me and Shelly and whoever, and Vinny's taking the face-off. So they're just about to drop the puck. And Shelly's like, hey, Vinny, Vinny. And um, 
And he doesn't look over. He's like, Finny, Finley Calvier. And Vinny looks over at him. He's like, hey, you're going to love it in Edmonton. (laughs) 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 And like everyone on the bench just howls, right? And they drop the puck and Vinny, like, he's like, whatever, right? But like Shelly was so good at chirping people and so funny and so cocky that when he delivered it, like he, and he could back it up. Like if he said something to you and you didn't like it and you came at him, he was going to break your arm. Like he didn't care. He didn't care. And um, he was such an effective chirper in person. Like I, I love that guy, and I, I always regretted the way he left Edmonton because sure. he, he was um, the way he was perceived by the public and media isn't in in line with the person I know. Okay, so that brings up an interesting point. Um, as a player, and you played most of your career without social media, yeah, and the, yeah. that social media age. So, first of all. Um, would you be on social media if you were uh, playing today the way it yeah. is? Like it's toxic. And how aware are you guys of the rumors that are swirling around? Like I don't expect that you're tuning in from uh, two till yeah. six during your yeah. career, listening to you know Gregor talk yeah. about trade rumors or whatever. Yeah. But you know, how, you know, how do you deal with social media as an athlete? And how aware are is the you know are there talks about like? Mm. Hey, I, I heard that uh, you're on the trade block mm. or this or that, or, you know, is that talk go on in the dressing room with guys? Um, just joking a bit. You okay. Know, like so it's not, it's not discussed seriously. Not then. really. It may be in private, but not in the dressing room. Like, hey, Stradwick, you're getting traded. Yeah. You know, like it no, was, but I, I guess yeah. maybe among team members. Yeah. yeah. Small, smaller, you know, maybe Road smaller trips, groups. dinners, yeah. things like yeah. that. Yeah. There's a lot of conversation then. I mean, social media was starting, like Facebook was around when I was there. I never joined it. Right. Um, Twitter was coming around. I didn't join. I, I just feel, I felt at that time that there, there's no information out there that's going to change how I can play or need to play. Right. So if, if you know, and, and, and any local Edmonton broadcaster, there's nothing they can say that's going to help me or hurt me yeah. be a better defenseman. Would so, you read articles? Um, like, I, I think some players no. do. Yeah. So and a lot I think, of them say, I don't, but yeah, I don't believe that. I, I would rare. I, I, only the one I would do is maybe like a, I don't know if you'd call it like an expose or like something. A feature? Yeah. Yeah. Like where it's like about Stradwick. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And where they're like, you know, asking me about what I'm doing and, sure, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. how I'm playing. But to be honest with you, no, I, I just, I don't see the value in it. I, I remember when um, I joined the Canucks, Mike Keenan said, guys, you know, when you're winning, you don't need the media. And when you're losing, they can't help you. And I always thought that was a great thing. And it's, I had a good relationship with the media. I mean, you and I were yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. on the different sides. I know I was never, um, I always try to, if someone wanted, not every day people want to talk to me, but if they did. But you were available. I was trying to, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. But I just didn't, I didn't want to be, um, like I never wanted people to text me and say, hey, what do you think is going on? Like I just, I would be respectful. And I, I, but I, would you, did you have guys when you were playing? Because some report, every, every guy has their guy, you know, that I text back and forth with. They tried and I I was like, no, I know. Thanks. I'm good. I I just, I just didn't, I didn't want it. Like, I didn't want to be a source or nothing. I just, you know, I just felt it was a distraction. And honestly, and I, for players, I don't really know what you get out of it. So what, what are you, am I able to get my mess? So Dean Millard comes in and he's working for, you know, big, big, big group. And you come in and you say, Strutty, you know, I want to I wanna be able to reach out to you. Yeah. So I see what you're getting out of the deal. What, what getting, am I getting? Yeah, yeah. What am I getting out of it? I can put my message out there so I can say, well, la- you know, text, hey, Dino, just, you know, last game, I, I was told to take that plan. That's whatever. right. Like, yeah, yeah. So I just don't, I never saw what they get. And so that's my opinion. I know a lot of guys have their guys. I, I would, I would, I never did it. Uh-huh. Um, 
I had guys that say in the summer, like, text me when you look, you're going to sign someone. Like, oh, yeah, I'll text you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And I never text them. I'm like, I'll just let it go out in the media. Like, I didn't want to be that guy, right? So um, in the social media, like, you know, it's it, – it, I don't like, you know, just saying – Jason Stryker's the worst defenseman ever. You know, right. hear those. So why do I need to see that on Twitter? How does that help me get That's better? That's right. Yeah. So I, I just think you're better to stay away from it. I know- I, if I if I could be not on social media, yeah. I, you know, unfortunately it's yeah, especially yeah. now um, yeah. you know, where you're the one man show in the podcast, you yeah. got to promote a lot more. But it's toxic. Like and yeah. listen, the last couple of weeks have been terrible. Yeah. Uh, Don Cherry. Yeah. And then the the retort from the social, yeah. like mm-hmm. it's been awful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where. You stand on, on yeah. what happened, but, uh, you know, I, listen, I, I grew up with Don Cherry. I loved Rock'em yeah. Sock'em. I, I love that AHL show that he, the, yeah. there was, he was on the AHL all the time mm. on, um, ringside and yeah. things like that was a great show. The Rock'em Sock'em. I watched him on Coach's Corner, but, um, you know, I people, people change. I, I did not enjoy Don Cherry for yeah. the last five years. Right. I thought he was uh, over the line. I don't know whether he should have been fired for that. I thought yeah. should have been taken off the air much earlier. But social media went totally toxic yeah. over that stuff. Yeah, you know, I find on social, so I'll talk about Don. I love Don. I met him once. Um, you know, if, if I'm being honest, I've probably watched Coach's Corner maybe once a year. You know, like I'm not really, I'm not, I don't really, I want to watch the game and get my own thoughts. Yeah. I don't want to have anyone else cloud my thoughts before I talk about a game. Sure, yeah. So, and that was always how I did it. I just, because otherwise you're like, oh, I heard, you know, D. Millard say this, I better, oh, that's, maybe he's right. You know what I mean? Like I want to just. Pierce. Sure, yeah, your own so opinion. I, yeah, yeah, so I never, um, and then the lady, it was, I think it was named with Jess when she came back at it. The, the, the problem I have is that um, everyone's experience um, is different in hockey. Um, you know, I, I've heard a lot of families who had good experiences in hockey and bad experiences. Sure. But same as soccer, same as every sport, right? But what I find on social media is that not only do you never win a fight, it never ends. Mm-hmm. So I, I just... Well, it ends when you block. So now, and, and yeah. that's what I do. But I refuse to give the satisfaction. I never block anyone. I never... <laughs> because, you know, to me, that tells them that, you know, they're in my head. But if, listen, if somebody's, you're standing on a street corner. Yeah. And yeah. somebody's coming up and yelling yeah. at you, yeah. all these different things, you're going to walk away, man. Yeah, I, 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 well, you might do something I, different, yeah, I know, but I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, but I, I just like, so for instance, if someone is really coming at me on Twitter, I'll be like, what's your address? I'll send you that eight by 10 autograph picture. You there want. you go. And people like last year, if you don't remember when uh, Pedersen got hammered in yeah. Vancouver and I'm on record, I've said this many times, if he wasn't 105 pounds, he wouldn't have been picked up in body slam. For sure. And there was, uh, unfortunately, the guy who passed away, Jason Boschford, yeah. was very angry. And I was attacked, like, it was like a week of, and I just kept, I kept having the conversation. And then people were like, we're going to come find you. I'm like, I'm working right here. Come on That's down. Right, yeah. No problem. Like, where do you work? And I had one guy, um, I'll never forget it. He, like, he called, he said something about my mother and my sister. But the, this genius, I went through his profile, and I found out where he worked. And so I called the office where he worked. I said, like, I forget his name, but it's Dennis, whatever, Dennis Cucumber there. And the guy's like, yeah, he's here. I'm like, he's like, who's calling? I said, it's Jason Strudwick calling from Edmonton. I want to talk to him. So I went on hold for a long time. Then I got hung up on. So I called back. And then pe- I called, kept calling, and they, they didn't answer. Uh, so obviously, I, wow. I found it. So I said, I'm going to call this guy out, right? Um, so I, I, and that was the last big kind of brouhaha I got into. Uh, but the fight didn't end eventually. I was like, you know what, guys? We just don't see it the same. Yeah. And uh, I'm not. Be- but, there's, you know, there's debate. And then yeah. there's disrespectful. There is. But debate. 
I just, I, I, I'm like, st- it's just, it, you, I, I love debating and I think that's great. Right. It's what we do a right. lot, right. Um, you know, on the radio right. or in podcasts or whatever, but there's a line you shouldn't cry. Like we can all have a respectful yeah. debate, right? You don't have to start saying no. things about people's mothers or sisters yeah. or go kill yourself yeah. or this, like yeah, these, yeah. The, the things you, you, you work the night show, the mm. text messages that you get. Yeah. Are just, just, maybe you didn't get them as bad I because I got them, but they're, they're, yeah. they're, people are so brave when they don't think you, you exactly. know who they are. Yeah. And that, that's, that's part of the problem is that I think the anonymity gives people a lot of mm-hmm. um, balls, you know, in size yeah. and it's unfortunate, but you know what? I, I, I can tell you this as a, as a player, um, my, the one I, the example I always bring up was when I, you have to have to at Rexall, you have to walk from the ring thing through ever. the bar. Great in the eighties when they're winning, Great right? When you're winning. And, um, you know, I'd hear like, just, there'd be like thousand people on there. Horkoff, you suck. All yeah. these things suck. But when we were in a group, we'd walk up to 10 people, not one person would say anything. Never. Hey, can you sign this for my kid? Yep. So, you know what? It's just the anonymity. And it, that, that, but that happens everywhere. That happens mm. like that mob mentality. And I try not to get, I really, honestly, I really don't, it doesn't really bother me. Um, but that that's the best example I can think of. And, and, and when I played in Edmonton, I was very fortunate to play it for three years. Didn't have the success we wanted, but um, I, my interaction with the fans then and still up to now has been amazing. Never yeah. one bad, never one bad inter, uh, interaction, whether with my kids or not, it's been amazing. So do you think that's overblown that players don't want to come here because of the fans then? Um, I think that I was very secure in who I was as a player and as a person. And, um, you and know, you're from here. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that being from here helps. And uh, but I think that I've, I was very clear who I was as a player. So if I heard someone, you know, like uh, someone said, "Well, so and so said that you know you suck," I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? I I can't do that. That's yeah. right. But I can do these three things, and right. I do them pretty well." So yeah, I think being from here didn't hurt. But I was just I wasn't growing up as a person. I would not have wanted to be drafted here. Like my own sons, if if they ever become hockey players, I would not them to want to be drafted by the owners. Not this organization. I want them to go away mm-hmm. and blossom and come back. So Jake DeBrusk, good example. Jake DeBrusk, um, great player, played here, went away, and he's he's a man. He's yeah. gonna be a man. Let's say in some point he's traded for Free or he comes back whatever, here. Yeah. Jake DeBrusk comes back here, no, he is. He's not he's not um 20 years old trying to figure himself out. Like Brodziak. Brodziak exploded as a player when he left here. Not not because yeah, the team the team sucked or anything like that, but because he he got away from um, all his buddies and all those distractions, yeah. and and that's a positive distraction. But you it's need to go away. Yeah. You need to be focused. And so, uh, I my I I my hope is that any any hometown kids aren't drafted by their hometown teams. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a big distraction. Okay, so I had Chris Dingman in here. We talked about uh, his transition from being a, a big goal time goal scorer in junior yeah. to a fighter. Yeah. Um, what about you? Um, were you, did you know early that if you're going to make the NHL, you're going to have to fight? Do you regret anything about that? Are you scared? Oh, I've no, no regrets. No, not even a second. No, no. Um, do you worry about the future? No, never. I don't even think about it. No? Uh, never, never. Well, that's good. Yeah. No, you know what? I, um, I, so let's start at the beginning. So when I, when I arrived in junior, uh, I was a pretty offensive defenseman for the KC Pats, but right. Uh, that doesn't really do much when you get to junior. Everyone was that same player. And Don Hay was like, you got to battle. You got to become a battler. And, you know, eventually, um, then I went to the minors, same thing. Strider, you got to learn how to fight. Right. And uh, I did it. And I, I took on that persona. And I was very proud to be that type of player. Um, you know, my favorite players growing up were Mark Messier. He wasn't exactly a friendly guy on the ice. 
Um, I loved Luke Richardson, Jeff Boogaboom. That's who I modeled my game after. And that's what I wanted to be like. You know, and I fought, but I, I was a, you know, I, I was, I would say when I was a very non-reckless fighter. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Colton Yeah, like Nora. you weren't throwing like jackhammer no. like all the time. And I wasn't wide open right. fighting. I okay. was calculated so I could understand. And it took me a while to get there. I Did got, you learn like through boxing or something uh, like that? No, or? just watching and experimenting. Like okay. my first year in the minors, I fought like 22 times. And could I could be a painful thing to experiment with. Well, I, it is. It's not easy. I'd rather have done something different like <laughs> my one-timers. But, you know, I, my first year in the minors, like I said, I fought 22 times. And I probably my I was probably 0-1 or 0-21 and 1. Wow. And uh, I mean, I, I took some thrashings, but then I started to figure out, okay, I got to take this hand away or this hand and kind of understand that um, I can win fights, but not destroy guys. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And yeah. not get killed. And that's the, that, which is the most important yeah, thing, right? And I, and I, and I, yeah, like I wanted to, like, I wasn't out there to like, I didn't want to knock anyone's head off, yeah. uh, but in the middle of it, you're like jacked up. But I didn't. I didn't want to like lay someone out, or no Hurt one goes somebody and, badly. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't my goal. I, I mean, I was angry and I wanted to fight. Um, so I, I don't like. I don't think I. Well, I know I never got a fight from headed from concussions. That's uh, right. I never got a concussion from fighting. Not hmm. one time. Not one time. I never broke my nose. Uh, wow. Fighting. Yeah. And wow. yeah. And like, so I had over. A, I think I had exactly a hundred NHL fights. Didn't break my nose once. That's amazing. Like, you know. So I'd say my worst thrashings I took um, my first year in the minors. And when I was 20, then 21, you know, daddy started learning how to fight. By 22, I was very competent. And by the time I finished my career, I was, you know, I, I now granted I wasn't fighting the Steve McIntyre's of the world, but the guys in my area where could kind of play and fight, right. I was very able to handle, handle that situation. Did you have a favorite guy to fight? Like, was there a guy that, uh, you're looking at the okay. I'm we're playing Colorado yeah. and this guy, or we're playing St. Yeah. Louis and this guy. I'm, I'm, you know, not yeah. that you, you know. I, I, there were games where you didn't want to fight, but you knew you were going to have to fight. Yeah. Was there a favorite guy that yeah, you I mean, fought? Yeah, I mean, there were nights where I didn't want to fight, but I, you just do it, like and, you know, and, and you know, you'd, you'd worry a little bit. Uh, that 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 show, Ice Gladiators. If for anyone who's never seen it, it is. If you want to know what it's like to be a fighter in right. the NHL, that's what it's like. Um, it, I saw it with my dad and my dad, you know, we talked about after I said, dad, that's what it was like sometimes, you know, and I, I don't consider myself a fighter. I was a guy that could play, that could fight. Right. And I could, I could, you know, go up into the scary world of those killers and, and, and do well after that. Um, but that's exactly what it, everything those guys talked about. I, I felt some of those emotions, no doubt about it, but the best advice I got was from Donald Bashir. Because you could tell I'd be nervous. And he's like, Strutty, whether you worry about the fight or not, it's going to happen. I'm like, oh, that's damn good advice. Yeah. You know, you're right. So I, I, I calmed down a lot. And by the time I got older, I was really calm. Um, but you know what? You just, you, you make a choice um, to do it. And uh, I was I was smart about it. Like I said, I don't think I ever, I don't, I never get my, my bell rung that I was got a concussed. Never had any symptoms, never mm. like that. Even when I played, like I was big and strong i didn't get run a lot the hardest i ever got hit was in practice uh, by this our my own teammate pavel vorobiev who did a drill wrong and i'm i've got rocked rocked from that one uh but oh, like he ran into you yeah we were oh, doing okay, a drill yeah. and just like he wasn't even paying attention and, <laughs> those are the worst right oh God, when you're I, not expecting he, it that's the worst yeah, kind of hit you can he almost take. died i, you know, I would have killed that guy if i could have got up but um you know i was very lucky so you know you make your choices and um you know i guess 
if I'd fought 30 times a year for 10 years, it might be a different situation. Sure, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I have no, not, not, not even like a, a hint of regret about anything I did. Well, that's really good. Yeah. You know, yeah. living life without regrets is, yeah. is important. Who, who gave you the toughest beating? Like who, who, who's, what was the fight where you said, uh, did, and did you ever do like the show, no, were you a showboater at all? No, I, I, I want to be the guy that, um, after I fought, I try to look really calm. Cause I always thought that was more intimidating. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like you didn't touch me. You didn't bother me. Yeah. yeah like, so, yeah, yeah. and I remember like, even if I win or lose, I would just skate to the bench, like nothing. And uh, so I'll tell you the guy who, who, it wasn't like he, he destroyed, like he blew my face up, but read low. And okay. I, I, I could, I just, he just had my number. Like he was like two steps ahead of me. You know, I grabbed his left hand, his right hand was already punching my right hand. I was just like, I couldn't, I was like, what is going on? And I was so stubborn. I wouldn't go like go right. down. And like I said, it wasn't like he destroyed me, but I hung in there. And I remember after the fight, I was so mad. I was thrashing around and um, in the dressing room saying, Lewis, and all of a sudden Don Brashear grabs me and just yanks me to the bathroom. He's like, he goes, look at all those guys in there. He goes, if you're scared or upset, how do you think they feel? Don't oh. ever show it. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So, you know, before that, I'd already done it. But after that, win or lose, I would just skate off the ice like I just had a cigarette. Like yeah. I just was like so calm and like, yeah, nothing happened. And and I like that. And I, when I was near my end of my career, Tom Gilbert said to me, he goes, you know, and something I said about mess earlier, he's like, I just feel better when you're on the bench because yeah. when I watch you, you're just calm, good shift, bad shift. You get in a fight, you just kind of skate off. And it's just like, you're just here to, this is just what you do. And you've done it so many times. And that's kind of how I live my life now. I try to be as calm as possible in mm -hmm. situations. Um, you know, I'm not beating anyone up at the corner store, but, uh, <laughs> but that's kind of how I look at things. And, um, like some of those lessons are transferring now into my real life. Okay. So, uh, your favorite goal of your career? Um, well, everyone talks about the shoot at one. For sure. But and, not, yeah. yeah but, and that was exciting, but yeah. it was more like, it was more like just a relief. I didn't let the team down. <laughs> Were you scared? Uh, oh, I've never been more scared. I, really? I, I would rather fought three guys and then, then to go in there. I was so nervous. Um, but, and like as it goes on, you know, eventually if it keeps, you're probably, oh yeah. you're just praying for somebody to end it. Oh yeah. Right? Like any, I don't even care. At that point you're like, I just, I don't care who wins. Yeah, just, you don't want to do it. Like I'm like, I was cheering for every shooter. <laughs> yeah. Score. Come on, score. Brian Sotherby. Yeah. Even though you suck, you score. Uh, no, uh, my favorite goal, you know what? I, I, uh, we were playing in St. Louis and, um, with, I was with the Canucks and I don't know why. Mark Crawford decide, but all of a sudden he's like one shift. I was playing defense and I was, I'd played mostly defense till this point in my career. And, um, all of a sudden I hear Strutty left wing. I'm like, what? And I'm looking around. He's like left wing. Like, what do you mean left wing? So he pulls me down. He's like, um, now's in center, Tuesday, right wing, Strutty left wing. And like, we were all good buddies. And so they're excited. I'm like, are you guys crazy? And so we had always go out there, and as it works out, we get a two-on-one Bertuzzi on Chris Pronger, and so Bertuzzi has the puck, and he and Pronger goes right at him. So he throws it to me, so I get like a breakaway, and I go top shelf on I don't know, I think it was Johnson or whatever. And I remember I just had my arms in there, I was just couldn't believe it. All the guys come flying in, and um, after the game, Chris Pronger was asked, like I think it was actually the game winning goal. I think, if I remember, it might not have been, but I think that's why my recollection. And they said to Chris Pronger, why would you go after Bertuzzi? He's like, you figured out. It's Stratok and Bertuzzi. Who do you think is going to no score? Way. I was like, oh, that's a good one. But uh, it was hilarious. And, uh, you know, so every now and then after that, Mark Crawford would just like, 
Strutty, left wing. I'm like, what? I'm a defenseman. Yeah. I would go up there like, sometimes I remember the penalty kill after Trent even got there. I'm like a penalty killing defenseman. He'd be like, Strutty, uh, Trevor Linden, penalty kill up front. I'm like, what the fuck is going yeah. on here? Like, and I'd go up there and I'm like, I, and I'd be like, Trevor, where am I supposed to go? He's like, just stay in the lanes. And you know, it wasn't, it actually wasn't that hard, mm -hmm. but it's so weird because now the play's all around you rather it be in front of you. Yeah. Uh, Dingman told me a story about this crazy uh, intermission speech Patrick Waugh before the game Bob Hartley had said I don't care if you're Forsberg I don't care if you're Sackick yeah. I'm gonna bench you if you turn it over yeah. a couple of turnovers and Patrick Waugh stood up and said this guy has no balls he's not benching you Peter he's not benching you Joe yeah if you got and, and he said they came out in the third period and looked like yeah. Stanley Cup champions and won the game those speeches don't happen a lot right yeah. like they they're it's not like the movies where yeah. they come in and rah 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 but they haven't sometimes, don't they? Yeah, they do. I think that, um, yeah, they do. They like do. Like maybe have, once a year. Yeah, you can't. Because you, you can't keep going no, back to it, right? You can't. And you know, it seems like a lot of my stories about the St. Louis Blues, but I'll share a story that I had a moment. My first year in, in St. Louis, uh, we were playing. Oh, sorry, in Edmonton, we needed a, a win, right? And um, so we had like Chopper, or, you know, Ethan Morrow, all these guys. Yeah. And we needed to get it going. I remember we were a little bit tired. I'm like, I got to make up a story. So before the game, I'm like, hey, boys, just so you guys know, I was talking to Kelly Chase. He was our play-by-play -play guy at the time, or it still is on the other side. I'm like, you know what? Though He told me those guys think it's an easy game. This is a lay-down game. They think they're going to beat the shit out of us. And the guy's like, are you shitting me? I'm like, no. I, he told me that's what happened. The guy's like, that's a joke. Let's get these guys, right? And we, we came on. We won the game. So after I'm in the shower and Ethan Murrow comes over and puts his arm around me, he's like, he didn't say that, did he? He's like, <laughs> Don't ask. And uh, that was it. But it worked, right? And so you just try to, I think a, 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 a veteran player's job and a coach is try to manufacture energy when it's not there. Yeah. And you can't like beat the drum like, win one for that gap. Like yeah, you have it's to, just, it's too you much. You can't kick garbage cans no, every game. You can't. And it has to be very methodical. And then, you know, you have to you have to manage energy. And there's some. And it has to be real. Yeah, and it, it has is, to, like it has to be realistic. The the players can't be like, oh my god, he's no, trying to have a moment here. And there's some you nights, can't force it. No, because there's some nights you're just not going to win. Like yeah. you just step on the ice and like the Oilers against San Jose uh, when they lost. What was that six, six three? Yeah, a week ago I think. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what happened. Yeah. They they weren't getting it done. And it's like fans don't want to hear that, but that's reality. We don't all have perfect days at work, right? Yeah, and, people uh, have bad days yeah. in general at their job or yeah. anything, and it happens. And your energy's low and. Um, Travel, all that stuff. So you know, you have to find the right time to 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 um, to inspire people. And one of the coolest things I was ever part of, um, my first year uh, in junior, we 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 just came out of nowhere and won the Western League. Then we fly all the way, and I didn't even I didn't really know the Memorial Cup existed. Like that's how naive I was. We're like we're going where the Memorial really? Cup? Yeah, I was like clueless. So we go to the Memorial Cup. Like we win the championship. We have a big night out. A day later, we're like getting these bad suits and flying all the way to Quebec, right? So we get there and um, we're in this little shitty dressing room in this arena we're playing in. And uh, Don Hay comes in. He's like, guys, you know, here's the stick. We're going to hang the stick up on the wall. And every one of you is going to write a name down on the stick and tell us why you're playing for this player. Oh, that's cool. And so it was only up when we were there. When the media came in or after, we'd take it down. And you didn't tell anybody about it? No, we didn't. Yeah. So, um, you know, I read my, my grandfather's name who'd passed away, you know, quite a few years before. But he was a huge hockey fan. And he would have been like... He, he, he would have been my biggest fan if he would have been there. And it was a lot, it meant a lot to me to put it up, put his name up. And so Don said, you know, when you guys are playing, when thing gets hard, you look up at that stick and you remember that, you know, you're playing mm -hmm. for those guys. And uh, we, we just dominated the tournament. The next year, we, we didn't lose in my 
two trips to Merle Cup, we didn't lose one game. That's crazy. And um, and that's such you know, a hard trophy to win, was, man. And we just like you said, you have to win your whole league, and then yeah, oh, we got to go, go play on. now round robin, totally yeah. different format. Really hard, really hard. But that that moment with that stick, it was like it was such, and it sticks in my mind. I talked to other guys we played with, yeah. and we all talk about that. because it was real. It was just, and it was such a you know we were all like 18, 19, 20, like just you know uh. ten feet tall, bulletproof, right? No real feelings, and then all of a sudden you're all sharing. Guys are crying, you know, on this stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. It was a real bonding moment for us, and I think that 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 bonding moment, even though it might not have been that moment, but that type of thing bonded the group together for the next well whatever, 18 months till we just destroyed everybody. Uh, okay, so you played in Chicago. Was the old Chicago arena torn down by then? Yeah, we were in so the- So you were yeah, in the Madhouse of yeah, Madison. We That's there, pretty yeah. cool. But you also played in New York. And yeah. I, you know, I, I love your stories about Yarmer Yager mm -hmm. because you know, I talked to Rob Brown about Yarmer Yager yeah. and that Yarmer Yager was yeah. really quiet. Yeah. Right? And totally then different. your Yarmer Yager was like stand-up comedian, it sounds like. Yeah, he was so different, you know, and, and I'd heard so many bad things about him before I entered- uh, because we, you know, we, before we got there and, you know, I introduced myself right away and, um, you know, I don't know what it was. Like I, I, I was able to bond with all players on the team. And if we're being, I was in the bottom third. Well, you have team. A, a pretty good personality for that, right? Yeah. You're, you want to make this guy over here at the radio station, whether they're a promotions guy or a producer or a host, all yeah. feel the same way. Yeah. You have I, that personality. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I do try to, I just, I'm interested in people and seeing how they're feeling, what they're, what they're, what makes them tick and. Um, you know, and, and to, to be able to bond and to, to talk to someone like Yarmir, um, you know, was, was really interesting, but I was also interested in everyone on the team. Sure. Right. But I remember, I think our, my, and he may, he doesn't probably remember, but my first bonding moment with him is we were in an exhibition game against the devils and, um, Yarmir, you could tell he was on a mission that year, like the way he was working out and training. And, um, we, we, we there was a two on one and it was with me. And I was coming up like a little bit behind the play, but he dangled. It wasn't, I think it was a guy like Greg DeVries, someone like that. And, or Dan, Dan McManus or Danny McGillis, something like that. Anyways, absolutely dangled this guy and scored a goal. And it was an amazing goal, right? So after the game, everyone's high as a kite. We're winning this game. And I come over to Yags and I just don't really know him that well. I'm like, Yags, just so you know, I was open on the back door. <laughs> He's like, what? I said, I was open on the back door. He's like, don't, don't tell me that. I'm like, I was, let's go look. So we go look at the video and sure enough, like I was open, but I wasn't like, yeah. gonna say I was going to score. You were Larry Murphy when yeah, it's Gretzky right, and Lemieux right. in 87. Exactly. And, and from that moment, like we, we kind of had a good moment. Um, and I think he enjoyed it. Like, cause he was just like, you've got to be kidding me. So later on that training camp, he asked me to go back and shoot pucks with them at night at our Rangers training facility. So even then, even then he was legendary with that yeah, too. And yeah. He, and so I was passing, he was shooting, but whatever. Um, uh, but like, you know, I just, I, I just, I didn't, I wasn't intimidated by those big guys. Uh, you know, we later Shannon came, Avery came and, uh, young guy, I really wanted to bridge the gap between the young guys and the old guys. I think the, the sooner you can bridge that gap and have some, some common, um, ground to, to work on right. the team gets closer. Cause I was on teams when I was younger, but it was like old guys, young guys. And that was it. New York can be a tough place to be for some players. Yeah. You loved it though. Eh? I like, loved it. Uh, you know, my wife has been there. I'd love to go. I want, <laughs> I want to go at some point, but just, you know, like, you know, it, Canadian cities are cool because we yeah. love our hockey. Yeah. New York is New York. And the, there must be just a buzz constantly going on yeah. in that city. It's it, so it's different. probably easy to get lost as a ranger. It, yeah. You know. Again, you know, I was older when yeah. I arrived there, uh, newly married, newlywed. And, um, you so know, so that would have been a fun time too, though. It was. So it was yeah. different. If yeah. I was 24, that's, 
It's you a can different get lost. life. You can yeah, get swallowed a, up, right? You can't. It's a much different lifestyle. But Theo Fleury says, yeah. you know, I tried to take a bite out of the big yeah. apple and it bit back. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great line. But yeah, so I was a lot different. So I was I was now um, very secure in who I was. And, you know, I went out and had fun, but like, sure. I'm not going to a bar at three in the morning, right? Like I'm home by whatever. So we had a good, we had a good experience there. And, and um, but the fans there, I love the fans uh, because they're very passionate and they want effort. You know, everyone talks about, we want the stars and they do like stars, but as a star, you better put an effort yeah. or you're not going to be received well. Like we, we boot off the ice after periods. You know, it'd be zero zero again, moved off. You, yeah, you didn't do like, in the Taylor Hall, or no, no, we no? didn't. No, I wasn't pulling that. I would have been like right out the door. But it's it. it you know, I liked the fan base there, and I think that um, they had a, a respect for me. You know, because yeah. I I just did my job. Where everyone, I just tried to do me, whatever that was. I couldn't yeah. like, you know, I couldn't be something different. And I think that players, when you go to a market like that, um, especially on a free agent deal, they feel they have to be more than they are. Sure, just do what you do. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of options. It wasn't like I had a lot of different things, but I was just like, this is who I am. This is what I bring. Like it or don't like it. I'm going to try yeah. my hardest every night. Um, you know, I think that it's a mark. I loved it. I loved being there. Yeah. And for like two in years. In 1985, you're not thinking, I can't wait to live in New York. No, like no. it's But just the lifestyle, you know, you, the... For, for for a sports fan, it's great culture, everything. Yeah. It's just a it's just a different world so from what I do. think. Our apartment was like uh, like you know quite small, like seven hundred square feet. Yeah. We'd have like four people come to visit us. We're all sleeping together. I'm like, what is going on? But right. um, the the like I I love Broadway shows, and we would bang out Broadway shows like crazy. Really? Yeah. So my big thing is uh, <laughs> there's Wednesday afternooners. So I would go, my wife was working there at the time. And so I'd go to practice, get home like around 1.30. I'd park my car and I would, I would walk um, over to Broadway and I'd go to a Broadway show at two o'clock. And I remember I saw- um, Like a non-game day probably, Non-game right? day, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would go to, see, I saw, um, oh my goodness, the one about, not the Lion King, but it was something like the Lion King. And it was all kids and moms and me. And I just walked in and I'm like, I remember I was, I got good seats. Yeah. Like, so you get them 50% off the day of. And I was like, you know, like 20 rows back in the middle. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, everybody. Yeah. And they're like, who is this creep? And I just sat there <laughs> and watched this, this show. This, I'm like, yeah. I, was, I was loving it. Maybe it was, maybe it was, uh, it doesn't matter. But it was, it was a, like a Disney type production. Okay. And I loved it. We, we saw so many Broadway Do you have a shows. favorite? Like Wicked, that you shot? Uh, Wicked was amazing. Wicked, Wicked was amazing. What, what's that? So that is like a prequel to Wizard of Oz. So it kind of tells us how oh, we get wow. to there. The See, music, that's like the cool things that you, it's oh, live yeah. action theater, right? The music, I've I've probably seen it four or five times because we saw it, then we'd bring guests and we'd always go. Right. Um, Rock of Ages was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw, it was it just, it was such a neat place to live. I would and never, concerts in MSG. I mean, did you, yeah. you had to have seen Billy Joel the no, one million times he's played there. Don't bring that up. I had opportunity to see Billy Joel and Elton John together. What? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm what? good. I'm all right. I, so I've never said that. You shouldn't be allowed to sing yeah. Elton John. That's you want to yeah, do a exactly, few bars yeah. for us? Yeah. Well, well, I haven't warmed up the oh, organ. Okay, okay, yeah. So Yarmir Yager, he had a box. The, the team made him buy a box there. And uh, so he'd have these tickets all the time and be like, uh, good guys, I have tickets to whatever. Do you want to say like, like Bon Jovi? I'm like, yeah, I'll go see Bon Jovi. Yeah. Then I remember he brought it up. Billy Joel, I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. He's like, you strutty, you sure? We can go. I'm like, no, no, I'm good, man. Thanks. And that'd be it. And uh, wow. I just kicking myself. And I then, saw Elton John when he was here, when he came yeah, through. Same. It was so, oh, you amazing. did go see him. Yeah, okay, amazing. at least, at least you got to see it. But, but then you have guys like Scotty Gomez who signed this like billion dollar deal. Yeah. And the most generous human being. So he bought this apartment, not like just a few blocks away from where I live. His was a lot bigger yeah. than mine. Two stories. And he had this balcony. 
And uh, he was an amazing guy, always inviting us over, always wives, girlfriends, everything, like friends, whatever you want. Oh, good He loved to host yeah. it. Yeah, amazing. And he'd be always the same, like, hey, guys, I got 10 tickets to Yankee game. Who wants to go? And he was just he would just buy them and then you know give it out. So it was so funny, though, because sometimes he wouldn't be there. He'd be on a date. So he'd call me like, hey, Strati, go to my house tonight and order some food. I'll be there later. So we'd all come over, and we'd order food from, like, Del Frisco or whatever. And he's like, Strati, Strati, just put it on my tab. So I'm like, all right, I guess so. So we'd order, like, you know, $1,000 worth of food. And uh, he was even there. We're hanging out in his apartment, drinking wow. his beer and stuff like that. Then he showed up. Like, I was like, guys, did you have a good time? We're like, yeah, we're great. Like, this is whoever, Monica. I'm like, hey, yeah. nice to meet you, Monica. And we'd all hang out there and go home. He's like, then the next day, he's like, hey, you didn't pay for anything. It's okay, right? I'm like, buddy, you, we can pay. He's like, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. I, I want, like, he was just so genuine and generous. Does that happen a lot? Like, I, if I had, if I, and I consider NHL money a lot of money. Yeah, it like is I, lots. Yeah, yeah. It is a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, you weren't making yeah. $108 million yeah. like Scott Gomez, but did you feel the need to tip more because you were playing uh, I, in the NHL? I like definitely, I, I never did. I never did. You, so money doesn't, the amount of money uh, doesn't change the principle for you. No, I don't think so. Like if, you know, I, I based on the service, you know, so. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, but I mean, if we had a but, really, if we had a really good time, like let's say after a game, five of us went out for beers that were in Minnesota. Sure. And this lady was amazing to us. Yeah. We're in a tip a lot like way more but i would do that now like it's not like it was a difference because we we're in the nhl or not right yeah but you I never, yeah i i always wonder if like geez i'm making this much i have yeah. to or or is it is it uh common that the big peg guys are taking care of the little you know i've yeah i, I, I yeah. can't remember who it was that told the story about a a guy at a rookie meal knew he was gonna get oh it was with the oilers i think it was uh stortini yeah yeah. And Al Shemsky went up and said, you yeah. know what? I'll take care of this. Right. Yeah. And I, guy, gonna... Guys are really good about are they? that. Yeah. Like the big guys help out. But I yeah. mean, if you're making 5 million, like a thousand dollars, isn't a big deal. That's right. But if you're making 500,000 and just got called up for the minors, a thousand dollars, a lot of money. And not knowing how long but, you're going to be there. But that's, so. you know, we, you, you touch, you know, you talk about culture. That's a culture where that's what's bred into the group. You know, that's what, that's what happens. Um, you know, I, when Taylor Hall, when my last year with Taylor Hall, his first year, my last year, um, Halsey got a bonus. I want to say it's for like 250 grand or whatever. The last for, for one of the last games of the year for winning for getting 20 goals or something, right. whatever it was. One of those eight, eight type A bonus, yeah. whatever you call it. So we're all at home, but my wife, um, you know, uh, Eberly, Hall, Whitney, they all love my wife and I. And so we're at home and you know, we were, we were just hanging out and the phone's ringing. Hey, can you guys come out? Please come out. We're like, okay, we'll come out. So we go to Cactus Club. And we walk in there and there's about seven or eight guys and a couple of trainers. So we started having a few drinks and Holly's like, Strutty, just get whatever you want, man. I'm paying. I got this bonus. I'm like, okay. So, you know, after a few drinks, I bring the manager over and I knew him a little bit. I said, you know, Halsey really wants to buy everyone gift certificates. He's like, what? He's like, yeah. So um, I said, uh, myself and Ryan Whitney, he wants to buy us $500 and everyone else gets 250 So the guy's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, 100% sure. So we get, we get all this um all these gcs and all the guys are pocketing so you can imagine like a young guy who just got caught 250 dollars is pretty good bucks for like sure. for doing nothing plus yeah. this guy's buying you dinner so the bill comes at the end of the night let's say it would have been like 800 bucks so now it's like three thousand. he's like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> and the manager's like uh you better go talk to strudwick so he comes out he's like that's a joke what are you doing why are you doing this i'm like buddy you just made 250 grand 
you can buy everyone here at GC. He's like, that's wrong. I said, Halsey, it's not wrong. No. This is right. So he was sour. Really? So yeah. we go on to another bar, and now Sean Horkoff meets up with us. And all the guys are buzzing because we all have these GCs. And uh, Halsey's like, I can't believe Estrada did this. What a joke. And so Hork is like, it's right, Estrada. That is a joke. You know, Halsey, you didn't do it for all the guys that are here. We are at like Canadian Brew House. He's like, get one for everyone in here who didn't have one. He's like, fuck me. So then it, it kind of carried on, right? But I mean, you, listen, I, I'm not saying guys have to blow their money on each other, but you get those 25 or 20 goals, like a little something to wet the beak isn't a big deal. Like yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you win, you get 250 grand, so you take home whatever, 100, whatever the number is, 50, 100, whatever. You, you're taking a f- 2,000 out mm-hmm. to say, hey, thanks, guys. But you knew he's going to, you get those 20 goals, your next contract's going to be massive. So, That's right. like, I, I just, I would like to see that culture continue. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good way of paying it forward and getting a team to buy in. So everyone's sharing that, that success that you're having personally. Yeah. In uh, 2001, Justin Mapletoft won the scoring title in the WHL. Mm-hmm. And before the, their last game, he said, whoever helps me get the point that I, you yeah. know, get the title with, I'll buy you a Texas Mickey. Colby Armstrong set him up. Never got to Texas Mickey. And, <laughs> I, and I, I remember <laughs> talking to Colby. He was like, I that's remember hilarious. that. That's but uh, yeah, no, yeah. that's the thing, right? Yeah, like yeah. you take care of everyone. A quarterback takes care of his linemen yeah, and right. things yeah. like that. And yeah. the, the, the top guys on down. And, yeah. you know, you played with the, some Hall of Famers. And yeah. They probably all did that. Yeah. They were smart about it, right? They did. And they, you know what? Does, you're not asking for handouts or all the time. No. But just like a thank you. Yeah. You know, and a thank and And, and the one thing I always loved is when, um, you know, I, someone would have a, like Sean Avery. I remember we were playing in Ottawa and uh, Chris, um, what's that guy's name? Chris something, a big fighter. Chris Simon? Chris, no, not Chris Simon. Uh, he was a little bit smaller uh, guy. He played for, for Ottawa for years. Oh, Chris Neal. Chris Neal. Yeah. Chris Neal ran him over and hurt his shoulder. So I went and found him and I fought him and it was a good fight, you know, and um, he was on the training table. After he came over, he said, hey, thanks, man. And that's all I wanted to hear. That's I right. didn't need you to buy me a dinner or tell me and like make a big production. Thanks. No problem. Move on. You just want to be appreciated. Done. Just acknowledge the fact that I went out there and did this for you, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I never had anyone fight for me, but um, if, when guys did do it for others and I didn't see that acknowledgement, I was like, hey, man, you better go over and talk to that guy because next time, you know, it'll be like, oh, I didn't see it. Did you see that? I didn't see what happened. Yeah. And that's where it becomes a problem with the culture of your team because, oh, I didn't see what happened. Do you see what happened? Like the Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews gets run by Dylan. Oh, what happened? Did you see that? I didn't see that, Martin. Did you see it? Like, and and I'm not suggesting you have to go over and like gang fight the guy, mm-hmm. but some acknowledgement that this guy just ran over your best player on some level, higher than just oh, uh, we'll get you next time. Yeah, Stardy, this has been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, likewise. I yeah. love talking. I love being on the air with you. You're a yeah. good storyteller, and uh, I I know Edmontonians uh, love hearing you on the Gregor Show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, that was awesome. Jason Strudwick, you can hear him. Two till six on TSN 1260 on the Jason Greger Show. And I love the the long-form interviews of podcasts that afford me to uh, talk and tell stories and find out information, um, even if it's for my own curiosity. So lots of great stuff in that interview. Might have to give it another listen because uh, it was long, but it was really, really good. Now, if you were listening, you might be walking away with a gift card from Acme Meat Market. They're at 9570 76th Avenue in Edmonton, and their website is acmemeatmarket.ca. So the Acme Meat Market trivia question is, what was Strutty's favorite Broadway show? 
he mentioned it near the end when we were talking about New York, what his favorite, favorite Broadway show is. If you know the answer to that, send me an email at sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That is sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. If you know what Struddy said was his favorite Broadway show. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Check out Podcast Alley for more insightful podcasts. Uh, Coming up, uh, we will have Taylor Inglis, former Edmonton Eskimo, now with Destiny Bioscience on the Cannabis 101 podcast. And I'll keep you posted on Twitter, at Duck Millard, on what's going on with the Prospects Baseball Show this week. Big thanks to Jason Strudwick for spending some time with me. Um, uh, probably too much time. We went a little bit long with that one, but he's such an interesting storyteller. And as mentioned, check him out Monday to Friday, two to six on the Jason Greger show. Thanks very much for tuning in. Playtime is over. Cameron used to sing a lot, but he stopped. When his dad yelled, shut up. This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Cut the gas when his girlfriend yelled, slow down. Cameron used to read, but he closed the sleeve when his friend yelled, hey, Yeah.